from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Getting more without expanding the farming footprint. See what researchers are doing in Illinois to boost yields to help feed a hungry world. Two more rail unions cast their votes. Is the industry still heading for a possible strike? And we wrap up our I-80 harvest tour in Ohio and Missouri, where many farmers have some good news. You know, pushing 200 plus in most fields. And we're not just talking about corn and soybeans, right now on Ag Day. Good morning and welcome to Ag Day. I'm Michelle Rook. Clinton has the day off. Harvest from much of the country has officially crossed the finish line and it's finishing ahead of schedule. USDA saying that corn harvest is now 96% complete, that's 6% ahead of average. Cotton's still a bit to go at 79%, that's 8% ahead of the five-year average. Winter wheat emergence now at 87%, that's 1% ahead of average. And condition remains about the same from last week with 32% rated good to excellent. The I-80 Harvest Tour is brought to you exclusively by Case IH. Case IH equipment is designed, engineered, and built by farmers. See their stories at builtbyfarmers.com. The harvest is winding down in much of the Corn Belt with very few weather interruptions this fall. As we wrap up our I-80 Harvest Tour, we cross the country from Ohio to Missouri, where farmers have put a bow on soybeans, and there's less than 10% of the corn left to bring in. Ohio farmer Mark Ruck just finished the 2022 harvest last week and was pleased with the results on his corn, considering the lack of moisture during the growing season. Corn yields for us this year have been above trend line. Our early season yield checks, you know, hand checking the ears, we thought we'd be corn in the 160s, 170s, and we've been delightfully surprised, you know, pushing 200 plus in most fields. That's above his farm APHs, which run from 185 to 190 a bushel, and it even takes into account some tip back. A little bit tip back might have cost us 10% on yield, maybe. And again, depends on where. We had some light gravel ground south of here that it really hurt it. Probably took 20% off the top. Yeah. Uh, you know, here saw very little tip back in the years. Ruff says when it comes to soybeans, though, the lack of rain during the reproductive stage did hurt that crop. A negative impact, I'd say, on soybeans. We needed soybeans to really fill out late. We needed some September rains, let that fungicide work. And, you know, we had average bean yields at best. And test weights on the beans have been subpar, but better on corn, and the crop will need very little drying. Our last containers we loaded, test weight was like 58, so you know we want 60 plus. Uh, corn test weight's been excellent for what we have hauled in. Missouri farmer Zachary Tanner also had dry conditions on his farm. In fact, he likens it to the drought in 2012, so irrigation costs were high. Uh, at one point, we were spending about 40 to 50 thousand dollars a week and diesel and electricity uh, for irrigation. But he's not complaining because the irrigation saved his bean crop on his farm. Our yields are running somewhere just under 70 bushels an acre, 68 or so, something like that. Tanner says even with the irrigation, some rice yields were off due to excessive heat during pollination. Rice yields were kind of a mixed bag, uh, depending on kind of when they pollinated, how they dried down, but uh, generally speaking, rice yields were very good. We would like to produce 200 bushel an acre, and we had several varieties make that mark, uh, so generally it was a good crop on rice. Tanner also grows field corn and popcorn and says the heat also trimmed those yields by about 20%. We would like to make about 6,000 pounds an acre popcorn. Uh, yields this year averaged right around 5,000 pounds an acre for our popcorn. 
In addition to his irrigation costs, Tanner also says the high input prices made for an expensive operating year. So he's looking ahead with guarded optimism about 2023. After a wild week of weather last week, will we see a calmer scene this week? Meteorologist Matt Yersavik has a look ahead at the Thanksgiving holiday forecast. That's right, Michelle, and we've got uh, kind of a quieter start to the week, but then another couple of systems could be moving in as we head towards the holiday weekend, especially towards Thanksgiving uh, in parts of the east. Some mountain snow, though, possible in the west. And if we take a look at here on Tuesday, some snow showers across the northern Great Lakes. Other than that, just some showers across parts of the southeast and then more rain starting to move into the west. And you can see how a lot of that starts to spread up from the Gulf all the way through the east coast and into the northeast as we head through the weekend. And then next week, more rain and mountain snow possible through the weekend and into the early part of next week there for the west. Temperatures though this afternoon going to be relatively mild across the midsection of the country. A little bit cooler up in the uh, really north central part of the country and parts of the Great Lakes with highs only in the 30s and 40s. Staying though in the 70s across parts of the southwest and across parts of Florida as well. Yields in the Fields on Ag Day is brought to you by Micro Essentials from Mosaic. The science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. And checking those yields in the fields, Kenny Renke of Nebraska trying to wrap up harvest. He tells us for the year they're happy with yields but saw a lot of zeros in the dryland corners. He says irrigated circles are where they need to be. I'll have more on your forecast coming up. Railroad union members appear to be taking another step closer to a possible strike next month. It comes after railroad engineers accepted a contract offer with the railroads, but conductors rejected it. The votes by the two biggest railroad unions follows the decision by three other unions to reject their deals with the railroads. Seven other smaller unions have approved the five-year deal that includes 24% raises and $5,000 in bonuses. But all 12 must approve the contracts to prevent a strike. Now both sides will return to the bargaining table with the Sunday, December 4th deadline looming for a possible strike. But most participants have agreed no strike would take place until after December 9th. And Congress could also intervene. The industry estimates a strike could cost the economy $2 billion a day. The Federal Energy Regulatory Commission has approved a plan to demolish four dams on the lower Klamath River in California. Now, the hope is to open up hundreds of miles of salmon habitat. It would represent the largest dam removal and river restoration project in the world. The $500 million demolition proposal would return the lower half of the California's second largest river to a free-flowing state for the first time in more than a century. The smallest dam could come down as early as next summer. And another effort to conserve water has officials pledging to rip up lots of decorative grass in an effort to protect the Colorado River. Water agencies in Southern California, Phoenix, and Las Vegas were among those that signed an agreement. They say they'll reduce ornamental grass by 30% and take steps to save water through efficiency and recycling. The agreement doesn't say exactly how much water the agencies plan to save, but cities account for about one-fifth of Colorado River use and the rest of the water going to agriculture. Greens it had mixed on Monday, but a strong day in livestock. We'll have analysis with Mike Zuzalo coming up. And later, feeding a hungry world with the help of science, 
we'll take you to a lab in Illinois that's looking to make a big boost when it comes to yields. Your next piece of equipment is on MachineryPete.com. Search equipment from dealerships across the country to find what you're looking for. Only on MachineryPete.com. Now through November 22nd, Willowwood Glufosinate 280SL starting at $59.84 per gallon when you pay with cash. Visit fbn.com slash direct. Price is subject to change. Terms and conditions apply. Cargill will soon have a new CEO. Company officials saying Brian Sykes will take over running the company as of January 1st. Sykes succeeds Dave McLennan. Now McLennan had served as CEO and chairman since 2013. He'll now become executive chair of the company's board of directors. Sykes will be Cargill's 10th CEO. He has been with the company for 31 years, currently serving as Chief Operating Officer. Monday's closes mixed in the grains, a strong day in livestock. Mike Zuzolo, Global Commodity Analytics, is here with analysis. And Mike, let's talk about a little bit of the pressure in corn and wheat seemed to be from uh, some of these export inspection concerns. They weren't very good, were they? No, they weren't. I mean, the wheat was, it's gradually coming up, but not enough to really attract the market attention too much yet. Um, we're looking at a year-to-date number right now with the wheat complex, Michelle, that's coming in about 2.2% below last year in terms of inspections. That's not hard to make up, but the trade really wants it to be made up, especially given the fact that the dollar had a really strong showing again today. So, I mean, all in all, I felt like that the hard red wheat with the dry weather continuing, crop progress numbers imminent, um, you know, coming in and, and showing continued weakness in the conditions for our crop here. And the fact that we saw Paris wheat continue to show a strong showing, a higher price action up almost 3% on the close yesterday. You know, that I think goes back to sell the rumor by the fact when it comes to the grain corridor being extended. So I think the European market is trying to put in some type of a demand low. We'll see if we can catch here in the United States. The other big factor was the rising COVID cases in China, but it looked like the soybean market at least was able to kind of brush that off. Yeah, I think there's a couple things with soybeans. As you say, soybeans and hogs, you would think because of what's going on in China would be the two weakest commodities along with cotton potentially. But I think one thing that we're seeing here in the trade in terms of sentiment is if we continue to see, you know, 2.2, 2.3 million tons of weekly export inspections in soybeans, not only is that healthy, but I think the trade associates that with poor South American weather, that it's coming, business is coming to us here in the United States, maybe because of what's going on in Argentina and Brazil. So as long as the demand can continue to offset the negative sentiment from the Chinese COVID policies being questioned again in the overall marketplace. You know, the beans are pretty uh, set up pretty well right now with that 1455, 1460 level of resistance, maybe the next opportunity to get up to. I think it probably needs corn and wheat to underpin it though, to be able to get there. All right, thanks so much for that analysis. Mike Zuzula with Global Commodity Analytics and more Ag Days coming up. The NRCS Conservation Stewardship Program cost shares more than 150 practices on farms and ranches. Visit your local service center or farmers.gov today. And meteorologist Matt Yurisavik is back in with us and we are seeing a little bit milder temperature start here this week. 
Yeah, definitely better than last week yeah. where we had the cold and the snow starting to move on yeah. in, but temperatures in the 50s and 60s, not a bad start to the Tuesday. And you can see even portions of the southwest and portions of Florida dealing with temperatures in the 70s, even still in the mid to upper 80s for southern Florida and more mild through the middle part of the country, 50s and 60s all the way down into the mid south and dealing with still mid to upper 30s across the north and back into the Rockies as well as we're going to start to see more active weather move in there over the next few days with some rain and higher elevation snow there, but more rain going to be spreading through the east as we head through the next couple of days. Still going to get chilly overnight. Temperatures down into the 20s and 30s up farther to the north and even some 40s possible all the way down into parts of the south. Memphis down into New Orleans, probably under that 60 degree mark there on the Gulf Coast. And then by tomorrow afternoon, still going to be looking at the 70s along the Gulf Coast, 60s and 50s through the middle part of the country and still 30s and 40s up to the north. So a big spread in the temperature department there as we head through the middle part of the week. But it does remain relatively quiet. High pressure in control of most of the country. You can see this storm system beginning to move its way on in. Higher elevation snow and some rain out there. As we head through the middle part of the week and we get towards uh, Thanksgiving and then Black Friday and the holiday weekend, this is the area to watch where we're going to be pulling a lot of moisture up from the Gulf of Mexico, and that's going to work its way through the Mid-South and then up into the Mid-Atlantic. But this system here is going to be kind of lagging behind, bringing a reinforcing shot of some chilly air through the second half of the week. And you can see a lot of that rainfall moving eastward as we head through the next couple of days there. And mountain snow, that's what we're going to be looking at in the west. Not a whole lot of snow, but just some of that as we head through the day uh, on uh, Wednesday into Thursday and Thanksgiving. It's just the higher elevation snow that we'll be keeping an eye on there. And we'll continue to track that right here on Ag Day. That's a look around the country. Now let's take a look at the weather where you live. Dublin, Georgia, a chance for showers, a high near 59 degrees. Heading to Brewster, Nebraska, sunny and breezy, a high of 52. And Toledo, Washington, periods of rain likely a high of 48. Ag Day, brought to you by Rumenson. Rumenson's quality, consistency, and efficiency make it the right choice for your cattle operation. Rumenson, trusted by generations. Heading into the holiday baking season, butter prices are in all-time highs. But what is the cause? The National Milk Producers Federation saying the biggest reason is demand. It says right now we're seeing the highest per capita consumption since the 1960s, and that's leading to the highest overall demand. It also points out that demand is rising overseas because this could be another record year for dairy exports. It also says butter supplies simply haven't been able to keep up with all that demand enough to stabilize prices, adding in the cost of making butter, which includes transportation, packaging, labor, and you have a recipe for record prices. But the industry points out there is absolutely no butter shortage. Ag officials are proposing changes to a federal program that helps pay the grocery bills for low-income mothers and young children. And some of those changes aren't sitting well with the International Dairy Foods Association. The update announced last week keeps a bump in payments for fresh fruits and vegetables allowed during COVID-19. 
But changes to the program known as WIC also would allow more whole grains, canned fish, canned beans, and non-dairy milk substitutes. Officials say it would give shoppers more flexibility at the supermarket. But the dairy organization says the proposed rule would decrease access to dairy products and the unique nutrient profile they provide. It says the current dietary guidelines for Americans shows 90% of the U.S. population doesn't consume enough dairy to meet dietary recommendations. About 6.2 million people participate in the program at a cost to the federal government of about $5 billion a year. Coming up, what may be the solution to world hunger? What researchers in Illinois are working on that could boost yields without taking up more land in the country? Ag Day is brought to you by Germinator Closing Wheels. Germinator Closing Wheels provide quicker emergence and are more consistent in dry conditions than any other closing wheels. Order 12 to 16 rows today and qualify for free shipping or 20% off an end zone moisture management package. Now through November 22nd, Willowwood Glypho 6, starting at $33.49 per gallon when you pay with cash. Visit fbn.com direct. Prices subject to change. Terms and conditions apply. As we gather later this week to share a big meal with family and friends, a report from the UN says last year nearly 10% of the world population was hungry. And with global grain shortages, there's concern those figures could grow. But as Farm Journal's Tyne Morgan reports, researchers at the University of Illinois may have uncovered a solution. Ending world hunger may sound like a dream, but these researchers are making great strides in turning that wish into a reality. Photosynthesis is something that um, has been studied like for so long time, you know, and only now we are seeing like that we can really still modify it and get increases in yield. Led by these researchers at the University of Illinois, they have proof that improving photosynthesis in major crops just may be the key to growing yields around the globe. We have discovered three different ways in which we can enhance photosynthesis that is resulting in improved productivity in the field. The research already has a track record nearly a decade long, thanks to a project called Realizing Increased Photosynthetic Efficiency, otherwise known as RIPE. First of all, to increase the ability of the plant to produce the chemical which captures carbon dioxide. The second one is that plants also absorb oxygen in photosynthesis at the same time as CO2. But the third piece is also where University of Illinois researchers led the charge thanks to the power of genetic engineering. Other people started to test like which genes would be suitable to improve that step. And then we came up with three different genes, which is what we call the VP and Z genes, which stand for like it's initial for like three different enzymes in the pigment cycle and in all the plants. She says the team then overexpressed those three genes in an effort to improve photosynthesis. Tobacco and soybeans have been the spotlight of the research so far, but now the team is digging into crops like corn, rice, cowpea, and cassava. Now, of course, we need you know to expand the, that research and and do um, multi-location trials where. We are going to test different environments and different locations and see if that is consistent across the states or across like other uh, countries as well. While the findings could still be another two decades before hitting farmers' fields, it's uncovering a growing need, producing higher yields without consuming more land. 
These researchers know what they're uncovering could be a game changer for agriculture around the globe. A rewarding finding rooted in a passion to answer a global need, ending world hunger. Thanks, Tyne. And that's all the time we have for this morning from all of us here at the Ag Day team. Have yourself a great day. Closed captioning on Ag Day is brought to you by BASF. BASF, helping you do the biggest jobs on earth.